All right, welcome everyone to the Adhere to Apologetics show today. Today we are going to be talking about something very exciting, very unique. Uh, I've never done anything like this before, and I'm really excited to learn. I am with <laughs> Vincent Kahuma. We're going to be talking about African countercult apologetics, something you yes. probably haven't heard of if you're from the West like me. So a little bit about Vincent. Uh, he serves on the staff at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Nairobi, Kenya. That's where he's joining me from today. And he's the mm -hmm. Kenya coordinator for the Centers for Apologetics Research. Um, and he's a leading apologist in the African counter cults movement. So thank you for joining me, Vincent. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Zach. I am doing very well. Very excited to be here with you. Um, we are also uh, forced to be home a lot because of COVID-19. Um, maybe with a lot more uh, freedom to move than you, uh, but still constrained in many ways. Uh, but, but we thank the Lord and we look forward to the days ahead and pray for wisdom for our leaders to just know how to direct the country to that Amen. end. Amen. Mm. It was very wise. Amen. Amen. So what's the restrictions like COVID-wise with uh, COVID-19 for you in Kenya? Like what can't you do right now that you can normally do in a normal day? Yeah, so they've uh, done what they're calling a containment, which basically means that you cannot leave the Nairobi metropolitan area and you cannot enter the Nairobi metropolitan area for a period of 60 days now. Mm. Um, so we, we had a 21-day containment, then another 21-day containment, which has just been renewed again. So for about 63 days, uh, people will not be able to come in or get out of Nairobi. Mombasa, which is another uh, town, a well-known coastal town, a tourist destination, where you have the Vasco da Gama pillar. If you've heard of Vasco da Gama, a uh, well-known Portuguese um, explorer. Uh, so you also can't enter or leave Mombasa at the moment. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So I think you guys actually might be more restricted than uh, at least I am where I live in the USA. But so, oh, yeah. so I'm excited for this interview. Before we begin, I just want to say it's a really cool way in how I found you um, in your ministry. I'm really excited about this because uh, I actually connected with you for the first time with the apologetics March Madness stuff uh, through the tournament last year. Uh, I was That's like, right. giving suggestions for who to add, and someone tagged you and uh, Joe Muita. Yagi, I probably butchered that pronunciation, uh, mm -hmm, Lennox mm -hmm. and a few other Af African apologists, and I was introduced to you guys' work, and I'm just like, wow, this is really cool. So grateful for that. I'm excited for this. And do you have any thoughts you want to add before we get going? Yeah, I think it's a very good uh, project that you have on there. Uh, it has also exposed me to uh, uh, friends and people who I did not uh, know about the work that they're doing, um, who I'm very glad to have known through the little tournament you organized there. And actually, I was surprised to learn that you've been doing that for quite a while now. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Well, I appreciate it. I've, God gave me that idea by the grace of God. So, mm. so let's start, um, before we get into some of the specifics, can you just talk a little bit about like, kind of like who you are, uh, what you do with your apologetics ministry, just kind of like a broad overview for someone who's like this Vincent Kahuma, I've never heard of this guy before. So just give mm. a broad overview of what you do. Okay. 
So uh, born and raised in Nairobi, I'm a Kenyan by birth. Um, I am involved in apologetics through a ministry called uh, the uh, Center for Apologetics Research. And uh, I am with the African version of that center. So the centers of apologetics research are actually all around the world. Um, um, we, we have a center in Hungary, in Russia, uh, in the US, um, in, in other parts. And we have uh, one in, in Africa, which is um, uh, very well established in East Africa. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I help to uh, coordinate the, the arm of that in Kenya. Uh, basically, what we do is what is called counter-cult apologetics, uh, which I will speak a little bit about later. But we basically seek to equip uh, pastors and Christians uh, to, to know what the cults believe uh, and to know how to evangelize and reach out to those in the cults um, in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, one of the main things we do actually is um, not only to introduce people to these cults, but to define what a cult is. So oftentimes for, uh, at least in Kenya, when people hear cults, they think about very extreme groups, you know, people with frocks and hoodies and candles and, you know, tetragrams drawn on the floor. But that's not what you mean when you say Cults. We are basically referring to just very average people that look like you and me, that hold on to something they believe is Christianity, but it's actually, but actually denies uh, the essential beliefs of the Christian faith. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. So, is your ministry focused more towards reaching people in uh, these cults, or is it more focused on? Uh, defending uh, current believers in Christianity against these cults, or is the emphasis kind of on both for you and your ministry? Uh, we we especially lean in on seeking to equip pastors and Christians uh, to 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 answer to the um, answer to the challenge of cults, uh, and we 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 also deal directly with people in the cults mainly through evangelism and uh, sometimes through debate, but uh, our, our emphasis is to strengthen and equip uh, believers with these unique skills. So yeah. how, do you, how do you guys look uh, to do that? Do you do like where you'll have pastors speak? Do you write like uh, books and articles to inform? Like, what does it look like when you're trying to inform uh, these pastors and other Christians about these cults? Ah, yes. Uh, <clears throat> so there are many avenues that uh, God has allowed us to use to equip people. Uh, so as I mentioned, first of all, it is just to help people to appreciate the importance of cult uh, you know, of understanding cults and and needing to 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 address that. So oftentimes when we do our trainings, and I'm just about to tell you how we do that, but we're often beginning with a defense of of cult apologetics, actually, because uh, most most faithful pastors will basically say, you know, my job is to preach the gospel, full stop. 
But what we are trying to tell them is that when you're preaching the gospel to people, you are preaching to people who already believe something about God, about Christ, about how to be saved. And so you are positively instructing them with the truth, but then you are also confronting and correcting the false beliefs that they already have. So any preaching, any evangelism is in some way cult apologetics. Uh, so uh, that's often a thing that we find that we have to do. We have to tell people that you cannot avoid uh, defending the faith because you're not speaking into, you know, a uh, tabula rasa, you know, um, uh, where people believe nothing and you're being the first one to instruct them. So we have done this through um, conferences. So we are often invited to conferences. We have been in for years, God been able to um, um, just create a name. And so we are often invited to um, uh, conferences by students, uh, pastors, um, and we have had chances then to speak to people through that. We, we also create material. So we are a research institute, which basically means that we 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 do the work that uh, pastors don't have to do of going in and studying cults and understanding their beliefs and seeking to either um, um, train our people out of that or at least to inoculate them against that view. So we do the hard work, then we equip pastors through these trainings um, uh, 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 to, to, to know how to address whatever beliefs their people are already exposed to. So we, we um, we especially use uh, brochures. Brochures are like leaflets, uh, which um, which we issue to, to to people. So people come to 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 our offices for the brochures, or we make those brochures available online. Uh, so we have a brochure addressing uh, uh, Jehovah Witnesses, um, SDAs, Mormonism, uh, Branhamites. Um, just basically all the relevant cults in our area, we we have uh, brochures for most of those that we give to people freely. Uh, so that's kind of the content which we use. We also have videos uh, online. Whenever we are called to speak in a place, we'll often try to record that and make that available for more people to be able to, to access. So we are just trying to get the word there as, as much as we can. Uh, in our context in Africa. Hmm. So let's just, I want to talk a little bit, obviously a large part of this interview will be talking about some specific uh, cults that you experienced specifically in Kenya or East Africa. Uh, so mm -hmm. what, what are some of the biggest cults that you see, um, groups that are distorting the gospel or some sort of the thing that you guys deal with? What are some of these biggest groups that you experience in Kenya and East Africa? Mm. <clears throat> So I would I would uh, put three at the top um, in no particular order. Um, the Jehovah Witnesses are very many in Kenya, in Africa. I was recently in a, um, a country, the south of Africa called Mozambique, which is not an English speaking country and has very little exposure to evangelical Christianity. 
And even there, the Jehovah Witnesses are already there. So there are people who believe themselves to be Christians and um, deny the deity of Christ, you know, as their first exposure to, to, to the Christian faith, so-called. Uh, so the witnesses are many here. Um, <clears throat> the Mormons are also establishing a presence here. Um, they are they already have plans to build uh, one of their temples in Nairobi, actually. Um, so they they see it as a significant hub of just Mormon missionary work in Africa. Um, and then we we have uh, a cluster of cults or a cluster of cultic groups that uh, we call um, Africa Integrated Churches, which are basically groups of churches that have found a way to um, mix the Christian faith with African traditional spiritualism or whatever religion uh, that was there before the the missionary introduction of the Christian faith. So the people who have mixed those and kind of come up with this hybrid Christianity, which is also popular uh, in, in, in Kenya and in Africa at large. So that's another thing. Uh, that's another group I would mention is, is huge uh, in, in, in Kenya. So in a broad sense, uh, before we get into some of the specifics of these cults, how do you, I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but when you, when you try to reach these cults, um, what are kind of some of the like general principles that you focus on when you're trying to inform other people and to engage with uh, these cults? Mm. <clears throat> um, so our, our aim is evangelism. So we, we, we are focusing on Christians and our reason for focusing on Christians is that we are not out to, to, to um, tell them that, hey, uh, there are these people and they are wrong and we are right, full stop. Our aim is to draw in people. Our, and that's why I began by saying that we inform people that as a Christian, as an evangelist, you are always doing a certain form of apologetics in your ministry. So we are seeking to equip you by helping you anticipate what the person that you're meeting most likely believes. Yeah. So uh, evangelism is a crucial part of our ministry. We are seeking to uh, equip the Christian to, to, to be able to um, uh, evangelize in an effective way so that um, if you're speaking about God um, and you say um, uh, God, um, God is holy, um, you, you will find a lot of agreement with that. But depending on whoever you are speaking to, you might well be referring to a very different entity when you speak about God. Or, or um, So uh, in Kenya, for instance, you find that uh, various um, regions of the country, which are generally occupied by various tribes, would kind of tend towards a certain understanding based on uh, whatever uh, missionary influence was there before, or based on how strong that cultural influence is in that area. 
So uh, in central Kenya, where I, I am right now, uh, generally where Nairobi is, there's a group called the Akorino. Um, and and um, this is a group of people who have been um, just very much influenced by the traditional understanding uh, um, before being exposed to the God of the Bible, of who God is. And there's a kind of a mixing of um, uh, uh, just cultic, really, practices, sacrificing animals um, and certain chants and um, uh, ways of, of worship and have, and those have been mixed. Um, and so you find that um, when I'm in a place and I'm speaking about God or I'm preaching, I often find that um, we assume a lot of agreement until we get to the nitty gritties, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, so <clears throat> the point of all that is to say that um, intelligent um, evangelism that genuinely seeks to, 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 to present the gospel in a way that is not misunderstood, must bring in, uh, or rather must, 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 must factor in the emphasis that we are bringing in as, as, as ACFA. Uh, so evangelism is an important thing. Then the other thing we do is the defense of the faith. So uh, what exactly we, 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 we mean by that is that we are helping these Christians to not just understand what, say, uh, Mormons believe or Jehovah Witnesses believe, but how to speak to them and evangelize them in a way that is clear, is compelling, and is compassionate. Because you are not out to win an argument on religion. You are out to win this person to the truth. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you are. You are out for their faith. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, one question here before we talk about the specific cults is: I'm curious, do you, uh, in your experience in apologetics in East Africa, do you have to deal with um, reaching atheists as well? I know that obviously in the United States and in the West we have a lot more atheists statistically, and that's one of the biggest. Uh, mm we're trying to reach in the Western world is atheist. Mm -hmm. So do you do you have atheists? I mean, I'm sure there's some atheists, but do you have regular uh, encounters or is there atheist groups in Kenya? Like anything among those lines? Oh yeah. Um, the enemy has not spared us of that. Mm -hmm. uh, so <clears throat> depending on where you live, so uh, those who live in cities are uh, especially um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, you, you you are more likely to meet an atheist in the city than in the countryside. Um, so we have we actually have an an atheist association in Kenya. Um, that is is um fairly prominent uh, and acknowledged. Um, their their chairman uh, has um has had a number of interviews on national TV, you know, in the last five years or so. Um, and he, and there's, there's actually a good group of people who, 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 who um, profess um, uh, themselves to be atheists. Um, <clears throat> there are various factors that have led to the growth of that. Um, I think that um, the internet, has 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 uh, 
um, had its effect on us. Um, so uh, people are basically introduced to the idea that you could actually deny the, the existence of God and seek to find a way to explain the things that you thought uh, explained the existence of God. Uh, so there's a large number of people who, who are like that. I engage on my uh, WhatsApp, which is uh, the African, um, which is very common in Africa and in Kenya, but I engage with a lot of people who, um, so some are, are just, atheists who are outright and are attacking the faith, and some are just sincere um, uh, friends who are beginning to struggle with just the veracity of the claims of the Christian faith. Mm. Uh, but it's, it's, it's actually more than we wish to acknowledge, and it is an area that uh, ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, is having to look into right now and try to publish material on that. Um, yeah, I think that the church in Africa is basically playing catch up on that because for a long time, the, the idea has been that um, the Christian faith is about faith. So this is not about thought. This is not about reason. This is about faith. You simply close your eyes and, and take a leap. And many people of my generation have been uh, brought up with that kind of faith so that when they began to ask intelligent questions, there were no intelligent answers for them. And they ended up believing that actually, my questions cannot be answered by Christianity. And so they jumped ship. Mm. Yeah, so, oh yeah, it's definitely here with us. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's all around the world now. So I'd love to talk with you about some of these cults that you experience on a regular basis. We'll start off with a couple that uh, probably well, are definitely known in the United States as well. And then we'll transition to some that are unique to uh, uh, you guys in East Africa. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll just start off with a couple of general ones that we see all throughout the world. You touched on both of these actually earlier when I was talking to you about some of the leading cults in East Africa. And the first one I, I, want, I want to talk to you about a little bit is Mormonism. Like, mm -hmm. so my two questions here. First, like, what does Mormonism look like in mm -hmm. Africa where you're ministering? And then how mm -hmm. do you guys look to reach Mormons or educate people about Mormons uh, in East Africa? Okay. So uh, Mormonism in Kenya, at least, is uh, not very well understood. Um, so people, people see uh, the compounds of a Mormon church. And of course, um, at least in Nairobi, they've, they've uh, um, gotten land and built structures in very prominent parts of the um, uh, city where we live. So people will often see a beautifully done compound, very, uh, uh, very well manicured lawns, uh, very um, just majestic um, structure. And um, there are people who think, you know, um, that's a place where the devil is worshipped. Um, and there are people who, who uh, basically have not given much thought to it. They just chose to live and let live. Uh, but, then there are all, but, but then there are people who have actually converted to Mormonism in Kenya. So uh, what the Mormons have tended to do is to try to... Um, get converts uh, from amongst um, 
let's say the people who are, are, are people who have a lot of visibility. And I think it's a strategy that they've used all around the world. But you'll often find uh, a prominent person, usually a news reporter, uh, who will um, just be a Mormon, but then someone who's respected in, in the society. So with the respect that this person receives, Mormonism then gets to share the same respect. Uh, but to my knowledge, they've not um, kind of tended to just be evangelistic to, to, to the people in the communities where they live. Even though uh, of late, I'm beginning to see a lot more Mormons doing gate-to-gate uh, -gate evangelism than I've seen before. Hmm. So how do you guys look to reach Mormons uh, and educate people about Mormonism in, uh, with your group, uh, the Apologetics Research Center? Mm. We produce material. Um, that we 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 try to make this simple, uh, but still are not simplistic. But we try to um, summarize and present and present to people the essentials of of of, of the Mormon beliefs. And uh, um, <clears throat> what we first of all have to do before that is to convince people that Mormonism is actually a true threat to the Christian uh, um, understanding of who God is, who Christ is, what salvation is, is, is all about. So once we, as it were, create the need by informing guys of how uh, uh, prevalent this movement is and how near to your church and to your friends and to your family it is, then we present them with the material that they can use to understand Mormonism and to to know how to engage with a Mormon. Um, obviously, we, we, we also inform people that uh, whenever you meet a person who, who um, believes um, something different, say you meet a Mormon in this case, don't assume that he is a Mormon apologist who knows each and every tenet of his religion. There are times that you could tell them things that are very central to Mormonism, and they would go like, I don't believe that, you know? So you want to find out what the person in front of you believes, and you want to talk to them uh, uh, on those terms, you know? And, and uh, um, that is far more winsome uh, than getting them to feel accused because you just told them uh, a long list of things they believe some of which they've just never had. Hmm. So um, uh, last question here about Mormonism. If you could just give a couple of uh, tips or some advice for a Christian who uh, is re who a, a Mormon comes to them trying to spread their Mormon faith with this Christian, what are some, like, what's a general guideline or tips that you could give for this Christian uh, interacting with a Mormon? Okay. <clears throat> So, as I said earlier, um, uh, first of all, uh, seek um, you 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 need to uh, um, plan to play the long game. Um, it, it is not common, though it it happens that with one sitting you are going to dislodge this person 
from from something they've believed for a long time. So you need to play the long game and uh, hopefully create a kind of a environment of discussion that would um, um, encourage further discussion with the person. So just seek to have the conversation happening in the context of a relationship. Uh, but then number two, as you uh, seek to share the gospel with the person, uh, have at the back of your mind these um, distinctive beliefs uh, of Mormonism. So just do a bit of research, go to our website, uh, akfa.org. We have just accessible materials um, 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 that you could use to 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 just um, uh, just have at your fingertips uh, what this person probably believes. But as I said earlier, don't expect that the person in front of you believes everything that their their sect or their cult believes. Now, in speaking with them, because you have his beliefs at the back of your mind, you are going to be aware then that when you speak about God, you are speaking about um, um, the the immortal, eternal, self existing being who has always been God. You are not speaking about uh, a God. You are not speaking about um, um, uh, one who was formerly like you, who has his own uh, people, you know, um, um, as, as, the, as the person you are speaking to might understand God. Or when you speak about Jesus as our brother, you want to realize that what you understand by that um, um, is that um, um, he is the uh, he is God who took upon himself flesh and became one of us, so that he could be a faithful um, um, uh, priest, uh, so that he could own our nature and die for us and live for us and redeem our humanity. But then the person in front of you will basically be seeing a normal, faithful human being exalted, you know, to a state of deity. So you want to be conscious of those words which you might share, which actually uh, communicate very different concepts. So what we tell people is that um, our training to you, when we tell you what this cult believes, uh, you are meant to use those as tools that are going to inform your natural evangelism. So you, you, you are going to come to them as an informed person, but you're not going to, to you know, slam them on the head with, with all the doctrines that you, you think they already believe. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that the now late Ravi Zacharias did very well, is he used apologetics as a tool for evangelism. It wasn't, he was primarily... Mm but he used apologetics, and I think that's what made mm -hmm. him very mm. effective. Oh, he, he was a great man. Really, really helps me in my own faith at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, including myself, could say the same thing. So mm. another one of those, uh, these cults I want to look at, one more general one before we get into uh, some more unique stuff, is the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, mm -hmm. So same thing. Could you talk a little bit about, like, what – being a Jehovah's Witness looks like in Kenya and mm -hmm. Africa? And then how do you guys look to reach Jehovah's Witnesses uh, in your apologetics efforts? Okay. So I live in a town 
on the western part of Nairobi. And on a Saturday in the town where I live, it's called Kikuyu, you will see um, a number of people, about 10, who will come in. And oftentimes um, they'll be in pairs, either two, two ladies or two men or a man and a woman, who's often a husband and a wife. And the men will be uh, wearing shirts and formal trousers and the women will have a hat on. And they'll basically um, divide, uh, uh, they'll divide the area amongst themselves. And this group will go here, this group will go here, and they very systematically seek to evangelize the area where I live. I have had um, um, a man and his wife come to my home and we have become friends, um, though we are not very much in touch now. But they are a very visible group. Um, and um, when they, they, they speak to people, uh, one thing that is very attractive to people is that uh, these evangelists seem to know their Bible a lot. So they'll come to you and they'll, um, they'll, they'll one day decide to speak about angels or they'll begin to speak about hell or speak about the atonement or the name of God. And whenever they speak to uh, people, people are amazed by just how well these guys seem to know their Bible. Now, they are very shrewd. They will not pull out their new world translation. They'll ask you to use your own Bible. And they've been well-drilled and well-trained. And they'll basically seek, for instance, to convince you that there's no hell or there's no heaven that people go to or that um, Jesus is not really God, you know. Um, so uh, people then are very vulnerable to these teachings because when someone comes to you, asks you to open your own Bible and seeks to convince you from your own Bible, that the Trinity does not exist. It is surprising, but then the person has caused you to question something that you 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 just believed lightly. You you had you had never given too much thought about it. And um, the environment in Kenya is especially fertile for Jehovah Witnesses to thrive because uh, they are very close to. Um, um, just the external appearance of what the Christian faith is. And um, they are also meeting Christians who have not been trained up in sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in Kenya, in Africa, sadly, um, the word of faith has, has, has dug its roots deep in our land. And the word of faith is not uh, strong in teaching doctrine. People are basically taught how to have, you know, um, enough faith to trust that you're going to get a better job, to trust that you're going to move into a bigger house, to trust that you're going to get your first car or, or get a better car. And, and so people are not, you know, trained in who Christ is, what the Trinity is, what the church is, what the atonement is, so that when a witness comes, and supplies for you theology that you lack, then you just embrace it, you know. So they're actually growing a lot for that reason. They are meeting people who are not trained in theology at all. So we are especially needing pastors 
to embrace the need for teaching theology. Yeah, I think the same thing could be said here uh, very oh, yeah? with uh, a lot of people not receiving theological training, the, you know, talking about having faith, but they don't really know what that faith means, understanding mm. the core tenets of doctrine of Christianity. Like oh. I wanted to go back here is mm. Introduction to Christian Doctrine by Miller J. Erickson. Um, and mm. Most Christians, I think, probably haven't read a some sort of book that gives a comprehensive guide to theology uh, for Christians. Mm. I think it's a sad thing to see, and I'm encouraged by it people who are working to change sad, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it, it it actually leaves our people vulnerable to false teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. You know, in my Christian life, uh, the first time that I had a person um, teaching a single verse and and explaining it and expounding it and weighing the meaning of each word, it was actually a false teacher. Mm. And uh, whatever he was saying sounded wrong, but then it sounded like he so thorough, you know, it's like he had worked to get to that meaning. So it left me with a bit of conflict. This doesn't sound right, but then this is so intellectually appealing because of the process through which he have he has, you know, mined it from the verse. Mm -hmm. uh, and I thank God for preserving me, you know, from embracing that false teacher. But just to tell you that uh, when our people are not trained in doctrine, our people are vulnerable to false doctrine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of, in it's either First or Second Timothy, where Paul tells Timothy to first cling on to the faith, and then he says to destroy um, false doctrine and don't take it lightly. And I think that's something. Christians take false doctrine very lightly a lot of the times. So, oh yeah. Uh, question: One more question about Jehovah's Witnesses. So, would how do you? What are some like general guidelines, tips uh, for Christians with engaging with a Jehovah's Witness? Okay. Um, some some essential things, some topics that uh, I would advise a Christian to touch upon is. Um, <clears throat> Begin with the deity of Christ. Begin with the deity of, of Christ. That's so crucial to 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 uh, them. Now, remember that they don't embrace the Trinity. So, if you uh, uh, so, they will think that the deity of Christ is a priori false because there can only be one person who is God. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, by by that. I mean that they will be beginning with the philosophical assumption. I just said a priori, and I I want to be understood. Um, <clears throat> they will be beginning with the assumption that Jesus could not possibly be God because that would lead to there being two gods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when they read a text and and it seems to imply that Jesus is God, they would ask, "How else can I read this so that Jesus does not become God?" Yeah. So you want to show, so you you want to show that Jesus is God, but the way in which you do that is actually not to listen to a verse that they give you and hit them with another verse, because then you just begin to trade verses with them. Yeah. So they give you, um, 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 you know, um, um, first Timothy where it says, you know, um, um, there's one God, 
the father and you hit them with John 1.1 and then they hit you with another and you hit them with another. Uh, what you want to do is take the verse that they give to you. So uh, there is no verse fairly understood and looked at that is going to deny the deity of Christ. So whatever verse they throw at you, I found this very effective. Uh, when they give you a verse, go to that verse, read the verse, seek it out in, in context, and you actually are going to find that the verse does not support you know, the non-deity of, of Christ. So um, if I can give an illustration, say John 1.1. 1, 1. So if, if they have their version, it's uh, going to say that uh, in the beginning was the word, and the word was a God, that's the New World Translation. And um, that to them, you know, is, is proof that the word was not God, the word was a God. Um, but you can actually use their own Bible and um, just read on, you know, um, without him was not anything made that was made. So if there's nothing that has been made that that was not made through Christ, then how can Christ be amongst the things that were made? And so they will answer you that Christ was the first one to be made. And uh, then he, through him, other things were made. Uh, but then you see now they will be having to um, re reinterpret and add another word, you know, add another idea to the text before you, or go down to verse um, 14 all the way to 18 and uh, help them see um, that no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's bosom or at the Father's side, he has made him known. And you are going to force them to think about uh, the claims that they are making from the text that they are using. And that to me is much more effective than, than kind of having your bag of verses that you haul at them and they haul their verses at you. That does not um, usually you know, bring much profit. Mm. So just as a general uh, method in, in, in evangelizing uh, those in the cults um, and by the cults, of course, I mean that those who would share the name Christian, but would actually believe a thing that's different from what uh, Orthodox historical Christianity believes. As a general principle, go with them to their best verses and, and, and seek to understand the verses with them from an Orthodox perspective. I found that very effective. Yeah, I think that's a really good principle to kind of look at the verses that they bring out. So now I want to talk a little bit about some cults that are unique or pre predominantly uh, focused in Africa and East Africa. Mm. Uh, first thing uh, I was talking to you brought up was African Christianity. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I have, I've like with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism, like, okay, I know what it is, but this, I have literally no, like very, like next to no knowledge about what this is. Oh, yeah? So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So could you talk a little bit just about, first off, what is African Christianity? What makes it um, cultish? And yeah. Yeah. So this is actually a movement that is uh, powerful because it is propagated by the intelligentsia, you know, in, in Africa. It is propagated by professors in uh, Bible schools, 
um, and just intelligent um, Africans who are, 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 are very attracted to it because it seems to affirm um, what uh, Africans believed. Um, so the general idea is that before the missionaries came, before the gospel was was preached to 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 uh, a tribe at the coast of Kenya, you know, hundreds of years ago, the Africans were already worshiping Yahweh. Okay, and the idea is that um, God was 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 uh, already. Um, manifested amongst the Africans and God was actually saving Africans uh, because um, um, an African tribe was no different from, from the Israelites, you know, so that while the Israelites had their own sacrificial system, Africans had their own. And just as God was at work through the, uh, through through the sacrifices in the tabernacle, God was at work when the um, um, when the Kisi, which is a tribe in Kenya, were offering animals, you know, um, at the foot of a tree. So all those two are simply uh, different tribes, same God at work in the same way. So there's really no need for an African to have to. Uh, you know, um, walk away from the things that he has believed tra traditionally when the missionary comes or when the gospel is brought to them. So what they receive from the missionary is just greater light, but uh, a light whose essence the African already has. So it's a, a question of modifying or adjusting um, the or adjusting biblical Christianity to what Africa already has, instead of adjusting what the African or whoever believes to biblical Christianity. Yeah, so it's more like an Africanized um, um, Christianity rather than a Christianized, you know, um, African. Um, this is appealing because of um, what one would call nationalism. So, I mean, I am, I'm a Kenyan, I'm an African. I enjoy it. Um, it's in my name, it's in my accent, you know, it's in the contours of my face, I'm proud of it. <coughs> so what that means is that um, if, if uh, a brother comes to me and tells me that I have been worshiping idols, I go like, come on, you are attacking the very core of who I am as an, you know, as a as a, a, a Kenyan of this tribe, you know. Um, so uh, whatever you are bringing to me cannot tell me that uh, um, what I believe is wrong because it attacks who I am as an African. So if you are to bring me a faith that actually tells me that, hey, Kajuma, you are fine, you are fine. You just need to top it up with some Bible. Oh, then I'm like, okay, that's bearable. You know, so the more nationalistic I am, I think the more appealing um, uh, African Christianity is, and that basically has what has happened. So when these professors teach this in schools, they will often be people who, uh, um, 
like to stress the colonial history that happened in 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 you know in many countries in Africa, and so they'll often want to um, speak about biblical Christianity as a kind of a religious colonialism, where the Africans are being forced to embrace the God of the whites. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you begin to understand how appealing you know it is to 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 have this kind of christianity that uh rejects the whites and everything about them but kind of retain some some elements of of the christian faith mm. so is uh african christianity this group that you've been talking about is it almost like universal a universalistic belief where kind of like everyone is saved kind of like uh if you whatever you believe uh there's multiple roads to god uh and you can be saved through whatever kind of beliefs you have is that kind of like a general belief of the of this group regarding like salvation um <clears throat> yes um but then with a bit of a uh nuance so in 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 kenya for instance you have various tribes yeah mm -hmm. so you are let me give you three tribes there's a tribe called the luo um lupita nyongo uh from uh kenya is a luo barack obama is a luo so maybe the luos are known for that or, or rather might you you might know that uh name of the tribe <clears throat> then uh let me give you the the Kisi, yeah, who are another tribe, or the Maasai. I think you you must have seen pictures of a uh, tall man, you know, jumping, you know, with a sunset in the background. Uh, those are the Maasai who jump high with spears. Uh, then you have your Kikuyus, you know. Um, so the current president is a Kikuyu. Uh, just to give you some some cue, you know, to to relate their tribe with. <clears throat> So you have your Maasai's, you have your Luo's, you have your Kikuyu's as tribes in Kenya. And um, so the god of the Kikuyu's um, has a name, Ngai, and he dwells on Mount Kenya, okay? Mm -hmm. And the god of the Luo's has a name, Nyasai, and he dwells, and uh, he, the sun is his eye. Yeah, the sun is the eye of this God. So let me just take these two tribes for now. You know, uh, because the Maasai also have their own God, Enkai, and they have their own theory of who he is and where he lives and how he created and so on. Now, um, <clears throat> with with uh, with uh, um, um, <clears throat> our understanding, or at least with my understanding, how I've tended to, I've tended to help people to think about it, is that um, <clears throat> if you claim that Ngai, the Kikuyu God, is the creator God, then you are claiming that Ngai, the Kikuyu God, also created the Maasai and the Luos. If you claim that Nyasai, the Luo God, is the creator God, then you're also saying that Nyasai, the Luo God, created the Kikuyu and the Maasai. And therefore you are necessarily arguing that the Kikuyu need to stop worshiping their God because he's not the creator God, because 
the God who you are claiming is the creator God does not live on Mount Kenya. You are claiming that the creator God is the one of whom the sun is his eye. So um, <clears throat> there's a, um, they are tended to be a very uh, um, silo type of thinking amongst the tribes in, in a way that they even assumed that uh, um, um, those, those around them did not have claims about God that contradicted theirs. Um, um, so that uh, there was never quite a thought about is our God the universal God? And does this mean that the white man, for instance, needs to bow the knee to the God who lives on Mount Kenya? You know, that wasn't quite the case. People simply lived in community, had their beliefs, and just didn't think too much about, you know, the 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 universal claims um or rather the universal implications of their local claims so one way in which we address this as akfa is just to ask people to consider the universal implications of their tribal claims so that if i claim that the god who lives on mount kenya is god or if i claim that the god of the kamba is god then I am saying that Zach in America needs to bow his knee to the God who created him, who is the God, you know, that uh, my ancestors, you know, uh, poured blood to and, and, and understood to be the son. You know, so when you do that, then you challenge people's thoughts and you invite them to consider the universal claims of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you make a really good point that most of these religious beliefs that we see throughout the world are self-contradictory. They can't all be mm. true. They contradict each other in so many cases, like the ones you just brought up. So before we transition to uh, another cult, you brought up a really interesting point that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. So obviously, uh, a, a good part of the reason for the spread of Christianity throughout Africa was probably... Uh, cl- the the colonizing of uh, Africa uh, throughout. So how do you oh, yeah. respond to people who would say that you're just a Christian because Christians came and colonized your lands and that's that's why you're a Christian, Vincent. It's because uh, those people colonized you. And I'm sure you've probably heard something similar to that before. Oh, yes, I have. Many times. Claim? Mm-hmm. Ask the question again. So how do you respond to someone who would say that you, Vincent, you're just a Christian because someone came and who was a Christian and colonized you and converted your ancestors. And then you're just a Christian because uh, it goes down your family line, basically, through uh, originally forcing at the colonization of your your country. Oh, yeah. Um, It's an easy claim to make. You know, uh, we are Christians because uh, the white man brought it to us and um, uh, some people are accused of having sold out their African identity to, you know, Western thought. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I am arguing, you know, making philosophical arguments and those are understood to be Western, you know, and not African. And um, um, some would basically say, you know, uh, you are just a Christian, because of these historical reasons. Now, I think those um, um, 
historical and circumstantial reasons need not to be denied. I think it is true that uh, my Western type education kind of uh, just sets me up to really appreciate, you know, the form um, of Christianity and the books and the theology and the formulations. I think that is true. It is also true that uh, if if um, we had been um, colonized, you know, by by um, a communist country, you know, um, Christianity would not have the kind of roots it's, it has in Kenya right now. So um, just circumstantially, those things are true. However, we also know that uh, God works through um, means and these are providences that God used. We know that um, um, uh, what is true for me is just as true for Zach, you know, in the U.S. Because um, uh, the 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 first twelve and the 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 first twelve who Jesus commissions in Matthew eighteen, uh, Matthew twenty-eight, to go, you know, to the world and to proclaim the gospel, they were not Americans, you know. Um, they were not Russians, they were not French. Um, and so the gospel came to Americans and to Europeans and to the French and to the Asians. The gospel came to them at some point in history through the ministry of the 12 and those who uh, preached after the 12 and so on and so forth. And there's a very checkered history, you know, um, um, there was war, there was conquest, there was um, martyrdom, there was trade. There, was, there are many circumstantial reasons that led to the spread of the gospel anywhere you go. There are refugees, you know, from Somalia, which borders our country, who have come into the country. And because of their refugee status and being in a country where people are free to be Christians, they've come to hear the gospel and to believe. So their refugee status has been God's means to expose them to the gospel. So I think that while those circumstantial reasons are true, they do not therefore deny the truthfulness of the gospel. And um, there are also some things that have been said. So there are people who have said, and I especially want to say this, there are people who have said that uh, Africans are more given to stories and are not uh, given to, you know, philosophical arguments. And so if you want to uh, kind of Africanize Christianity, you have to dress it in African clothes, which means you need to use stories and you need to be very basic. But I think that is, 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 is just plain false. Uh, it is just simply false. Um, <clears throat> Christianity, um, uh, uh, exists in all those forms. So you have um, the, the book of Genesis that has many stories that one can claim an African will relate with. But you have the book of Romans, which is a very tightly argued book. And so would you be saying that the book of Romans, because it's, because it's philosophical, it is not for Africans, mm. you know? So I think there are there, there are some 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 kind of arguments that 
on the surface look good, but I think they they fail to consider Christianity in its own right and it's and accept its claims and just take it as it is. And and um, they want uh, biblical Christianity to be changed and adjusted to the people instead of people needing to adjust to biblical Christianity. Now, I'm not denying that I think there are some cultural elements that have come with with uh, um, just the way in which Africans have depended on the West. But I think that um, you need not throw away um, um, what is true, because there are times when people throw away what is fundamental to, to the Christian faith because they're trying to throw away what is Western about the Christian faith that they have received. Mm. So may God give us wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the time we can conform our Christianity to what we want to believe rather than what uh, God's word in the Bible actually says. And that's something that's oh, yeah. very important. Uh, so one last kind of quote we'll look at here um, is Islam. Uh, obviously, Islam's a little bit different than uh, the other groups we kind of looked at today. So I'm curious mm. if you could just start off. What does because uh, obviously I know in North Africa, Islam is the dominant religion by far in countries yeah. like Egypt mm. and Tunisia and Libya and Algeria. Mm. But what does Islam look like in kind of like Kenya and East Africa? Uh, what do you see? If you came to Kenya and I took you on a bus ride to my um, home up country, you will, you, you will count uh, maybe 50 mosques from Nairobi to, to uh, where I live, which is about 400 kilometers. I don't know how, I don't know what that translates to, to miles. <clears throat> um, but what, what um, many Muslims have done is that they have, um, they're playing the long game, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, and they have built mosques in, in almost every area in the country. So that uh, whereas those mosques might not be occupied with people right now, um, I, th I think their hope is that in another maybe 30 years time, those mosques will have people. So there's a very strategic, very efficient uh, um, um, effort um, at um, proselytizing uh, Africans towards um, um, the, the uh, towards Islam. Um, so in the city, there are a number of mosques um, and uh, you have prominent people in government uh, who are Muslims and who are open about that. And um, very interesting actually, um, <clears throat> because of the just political and leadership gaps that are there in Africa. Um, some of these are caused by what is called tribalism, you know? So if I can give you an example in the States. So if you have uh, one group of people who tend to be Democrats and another group of people tend to be Republicans, and you have a slot in the high court that the Democrats want and the 
Republicans want, mm -hmm. then um, one, one option to go is to pick a neutral group who are neither Republicans or Democrats to occupy their post so that everybody loses and so it's fair by giving this middle person. Now, um, it appears that uh, uh, the, the Muslims in Kenya have kind of uh, become that neutral group. So when the country is divided on tribal lines and you have two almost equal uh, groups that are vying for uh, uh, important posts in government, then the Muslims who are not, you know, um, who, who tend to be um, of, of, of a, um, um, Kushite or Arabic descent will, will usually be like a neutral party that is then given these uh, strategic roles in government. So what has happened is that we have um, just uh, leaders, many of whom are doing a good job in the post that they occupy, but are committed Muslims. And so um, you find that Islam is just making its steady ascent, you know, as a force to be reckoned with on the religious platform in Kenya. Uh, a statistic I read a while back is that we currently have about 10% of the country as Muslim. That's a big number. Um, but yes, there's a steady increase in the number of Muslims in in, in the country and I think in Africa as well. Uh, judging from my trip to Mozambique uh, end of last year, there's a very strong Muslim presence there as well. Hmm. Uh, so what are some kind of like uh, general guidelines or tips that you found uh, when engaging with Muslims, when trying to share the gospel with Muslims? What are some things that you think are helpful uh, for, for Christians in engaging with Muslims? Mm. I think the same tips um, seek to love the person. Uh, he's not an argument to win. He or she is not an argument to win. They are a person that you want to win to the Lord. You believe that they are in error and you believe that unless they turn and fall at the feet of Christ, uh, unless they, they accept him as king and priest, um, unless they trust fully on the blood that he shed um, and the death that he died and his resurrection, they cannot be saved. So you 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 have that in mind, and that leads you to uh, uh, try to be compassionate, try to um, um, uh, gain their ear. So what you want to do is gain their trust, gain their hearts, so that you can also gain their minds. Mm. So uh, Muslim evangelism is especially, um, um, it especially requires a relationship mm. so that you can, you can um, uh, present to them the claims of the faith. Now, one area that I found effective in Muslim evangelism is the area of assurance. Yeah. So for, 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 Many Muslims, um, they, there's a desire for assurance, but then it is not possible to gain assurance because you will enter heaven if Allah wills. So you could live, you know, as faithfully as you you want to, 
but you can only hope that you will enter heaven. Mm. And um, they have a very strong view of the sovereignty of God. Uh, but then it's the kind of sovereignty that um, um, does not involve relationship and covenant commitment uh, to the people over whom God is God. Mm. Uh, so I think to 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 inform them and to paint uh, to them our faith as a faith of a God who comes into covenant with his people, with those who trust in him, and he guarantees their salvation so that Paul can say that I am sure, I am sure mm. that the God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Statements like those are very jarring to, to the Islamic hyper-sovereignty view. Um, <clears throat> so uh, uh, things like that, things like the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the fact that um, um, Christ is, is, is a holy God who actually draws towards the rebellious sinner so that he can save them is also a very strange concept in the Islamic paradigm of things. And I think uh, those, those concepts of compassion, of love, commitment, are they especially tend to catch the attention of Muslims. Um, I would say avoid debates. Uh, Muslims believe that they understand Christianity. So um, oftentimes, um, when you walk in a street in Nairobi, especially in the areas where um, there are a lot of Muslims, you will see like a large group of people crowded in an area. Then in the middle, you'll see a man in a frock seated on a stool with a Quran in his hand. And then you'll usually find um, just a, a, a person dressed like you and I seated opposite him and they'd be having a debate. Mm. And what this uh, man who, who's holding the Quran is doing is that he's challenging this, this Christian from the street and seeking to show this Christian the holes in the Christian faith so that they could um, submit and become a Muslim. Uh, to, and submit is an interesting word because uh, Islam is submission, yeah? Uh, so there's just this understanding that Islamic is intellect that Islam is intellectually superior to Christianity, and most Muslims believe that. So you'll find, you know, um, they have a collection of errors in the Bible, and I found it um, useful again to actually address those errors. Uh, if you're involved in an apologetic conversation with them, but ultimately. Your aim is not to prove them wrong. Your aim is to introduce them to the savior, to the only one who died so that they as well could be saved. Mm, yeah, that's so good. And it brings me back again to Ravi and everything that he did through his ministry. And I think uh, mm. the point you brought up about uh, e eternal security and assurance of salvation regarding uh, uh, Muslims is really an interesting point because I remember a few years ago, I was working on a project for high school and I went to our local mosque to talk to a Muslim Iman and I asked mm -hmm. him that 
question about um, how can you know you are saved? How are you saved? And he kind of described it as you can't know. He said, uh, if 51% of your works are good, then you'll be saved. But mm. if you have like 49.99% infinity, you're not going to be saved. And it's like, mm. it's such a, like a, a troubling thing to me. And it's, it's sad that people believe that like, because like if I believe that's how I'd be saved, I'd just be worried all the time about mm. trying to do everything perfect. Um, it's so, crazy. Yeah, it, it is. Thank you for a savior who we don't have to be perfect for um so we have amazing god so a uh, couple questions here as we start to wrap things up um just in like a broad sense if you could just give me maybe like two or three minutes of why be a christian why believe christianity is true uh, there's so many religions out in the in the world so just in a, just in a couple of minutes can you talk about why why should someone be a christian Mm. Um, you should be a Christian because it is true. Mm. You should be a Christian because Christianity is true. Um, <clears throat> that means that any other thing that you could become is a lie. And um, there is no, um, there's no, um, no hope in it, no salvation in it, no rest in it, and there is no life in it. Um, <clears throat> Christianity is true, um, and the claims of Christianity are unique claims. Uh, they are claims that uh, God, the self-sufficient God who is not created, who is the creator of all, who is your creator, has revealed. He has revealed that you are a sinner. He has revealed that um, um, you are made in his image. In fact, he has, because you're made in his image, uh, your, your, your peace, your wholeness as a human being is dependent, is dependent on your relationship with him uh, because you are formed after him you are uh, a being with a mind with a soul with a capacity to worship to believe to love to know god and be known by god and as long as you are away from god you cannot uh, realize those things and um especially um there's there's the aspect that you have broken the law of god god has made you with a conscience part of your bearing the image of God is that you know right from wrong and you know that um, there is a, there is a punishment, there's a just um, um, response that a good God must give towards sin. And God reveals to us, not just that we have sinned, but that there is great guilt that comes alongside our sinning against God. And by guilt, I don't mean a bad feeling, but there is a way, there is a, 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 there is restitution to be made. There is something to be paid for your sin. And uh, God also reveals that he has given his son. Um, um, he himself in the person of his son has come. God has walked this earth. God has sought to bridge the distance between you and him, between us as human beings and him by doing what it takes, by 
taking upon himself the guilt that we have and receiving the weight, the penalty, the justice that is due for, for our sin and, and exhausting it, taking it all upon himself completely. Jesus died for our sin and Jesus was raised to prove that he had fully paid for our sin. Now we can only share in, 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 in the freedom from sin that Jesus acquired by trusting in him. So you, you want to, to, to accept Christ because of your guilt. You want to accept Christ because it is true. You want to accept Christ because he is your king. You, you have made a shipwreck of your life. You know, for as long as you remain the captain of the plane that is your life, uh, you yourself would bear witness um, that you have brought upon yourself much sorrow. And Christ then, uh, offering you joy, asks you to let him be your leader. Let him be your guide. Let him be your king. Let him rule you according to his Holy Spirit and according to his word. To me, the most appealing thing is just that aspect of the image of God restored to us. Mm -hmm. I can be a better human being by, by, by being a Christian having the image of God restored in me as I look more and more like God, more and more like Christ. I become more and more human. You know, um, anything else is just a distortion of it. Those who are struggling with their faith, for instance, they realize that. They don't think they are better people for walking away from the Christian faith, you know. Um, so become a Christian because it is true. And I... I I'm daily just unpacking layers and layers of that truth. And Ria, and I'm actually seeing that uh, um, whatever errors are there um, in, in my mind are actually being corrected. The more I learn about God, the more I see his word. There is truth for me, there is wonder for me, and there's relationship for me. And I could go on. Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful way of sharing the gospel um i have one more question for you and then we'll have one more question from the audience and then uh we will start to wrap things up here uh, my last question for you is how can uh myself as a christian in the west how can other christians in the west who are listening to this how can we assist you guys um in east africa with your ministry what can we be doing to uplift you or provide more resources to help you how can we help you further uh your ministry and what you guys are doing yeah, I am glad you asked, uh, brother. There are <clears throat> mainly three ways that you could uh, assist us. <clears throat> uh, please pray for God's direction for us as a ministry. Uh, pray for God's provision for, for us. We need the prayers of, of, of the saints all around the world. Um, there can be no success, you know, apart from God being at work. We do not want um, um, a kingdom built with the hands of man. We want a kingdom, a temple that uh, has been made with the very hands of God. Mm -hmm. So we need prayers. Um, if you want to just keep current with what we are doing um, and know how to pray in specific ways, you can uh, follow us on social media, uh, links that are, will be shared later just help you know how to pray for us as a ministry. Uh, we are currently in Uganda, in Kenya, and in Zambia. 
and uh, all our men in those areas um, are tempted to be discouraged because we are few and the work is great. Mm. So we especially need your uh, prayerful um, support. Um, we also uh, would ask you to refer um, Christians in Africa to uh, the resources that uh, we have made um, and uh, share those freely. So you could help us even though you are not with us here by just pointing people to the material that we have made um, and and uh, having a hand then uh, um, and being able to participate in those ways. Uh, share our videos. Um, but um, just increase for us the visibility because our material can go to places where we will never step foot. Okay. And then lastly, uh, we obviously need uh, financial support for the work that we do. Consider supporting us via uh, the Center for Apologetics Research in the US. So just go to uh, the centers. Yes, the T-H-E-C-E-N-T-E-R-S dot O-R-G, thecenters.org, and you will find ways in which you can give. So um, <clears throat> we we have our executive director in the U.S., and um, he, 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 he is just a great man. He's just a great man. He's a, he's a, um, a, student or let me say he was he worked with Walter Martin. Walter Martin is a very well-known cult apologist who wrote a, a book called The Kingdom of the Cults. Uh, Hank Hanegraaff was also a student of Walter Martin, though he has since become Eastern Orthodox, and uh, Paul Carden was uh, part of that group. So he's been doing this now for maybe 40 years. Um, he's based in California and um, uh, your giving would get to us, of course, through um, through just the financial infrastructure in, 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 in the U.S. So please feel free to do that. Um, there are men who love the work, who are working hard, who are worth your prayers, um, your sharing their, their material and your financial support. Hmm. So one question here from the live viewership, and then we'll start to wrap things up as we approach the end of our time from... LJ Gold, you. How is it? I believe I pronounced that right. How are you doing? I'm glad you joined us today. He says, "How can this outreach be replicated in Nigeria?" Uh, well done for the good job. So, do you have any thoughts on this question? Oh yes, uh, I would re request him to uh, write write to me. So just um, send me a direct message on Twitter. And I would love to get in touch with him, and uh, we can we can um, think together on practical ways in which uh, we can answer the unique needs in Nigeria. Um, <clears throat> I think there are uh, already men there who are doing similar work. Um, um, I know of a, a brother called Femi. Uh, I forget his second name, um, Femi Osunuyi, um, who is just a brilliant um, and, and just able preacher of the gospel, 
who I think his church would have um, and um, would uh, be 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 conscious of the apologetic needs in Nigeria. So I would urge him to uh, just write to me and I'll first of all help him to get in touch with guys in Nigeria who are like-minded, but then we can also uh, think about ways in which we can uh, um, uh, share resources and advice and just counsel with with him in Nigeria. Mm. Uh, Thank you for writing. It's good to hear from from yeah. from someone from Nigeria. Mm -hmm. uh, is it okay if I put your email in the chat? Because I think there's a chance your Twitter messaging is actually only for people that you follow. Because I couldn't uh, message you on Twitter, I think. So is it okay if I just share your email in the video? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh. It is. It is perfectly fine. All right. I just wanted to make sure it's in the chat now. If you want to get okay. in contact with Vincent, yes, uh, yes, has been a really amazing interview. I feel inspired and encouraged by people like you uh, doing God's workplace where apologetics is really needed. So I really appreciate your time. I thank you for everything you've done. Um, and I look forward to seeing what's in the future for you. Uh, is there anything else you want to say in terms of how to follow you or any closing thoughts before we wrap things up here? Yeah, I would just um, want to um, encourage believers, um, especially at this time that uh, many people are maybe not thinking that there's light ahead uh, simply because we have been we, we have had our heads uh, immersed under the water for so long now because of COVID-19. Um, and um, number one, let us thank God, you know, as things begin to ease and we might be getting chances to gather sons of gods again uh, in our churches. But number two, let us just remember that um, um, things like, COVID happen because the world is a broken place. Um, uh, there, is, there is better news than just a world like this, a, a, a world that is one day away from shutting down. There's, a, there's better news than living in a world like that. And God is, is, is uh, preparing his people um uh for for a new world that um a day is coming when he will refurbish and make new this world and when he shall dwell with his people a world that is imperishable undefiled and unfading um where sin or the effects of sin will never come in so i would just invite um um those who are believers to rest even more in christ set their hope fully on the grace that God will reveal to them soon when Jesus is revealed. Set your hope fully on that. And those who are not in Christ to consider the claims of the Christian faith. And even those who are doubting if they should, I tell you, they are, you do not walk away from such a great salvation. Christianity is true, uh, but I, I pray that you will be a sincere seeker you know, and you will find it to be true. Mm. Man, yeah. this was uh, just an amazing interview. I really appreciate your time. I've come away inspired. I know a lot of people were commenting the same thing. Appreciate you for your time. I encourage everyone, follow Vincent Kahuma on, 
Kahuma, is that how you pronounce your last name? Kajuma. Kajuma. Oh, I've been. Juma, yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Vincent, for your time. You can follow Vincent. You can follow uh, his apologetics ministry. All the links are in the description or if you are with us on YouTube. And I thank everyone for your time. If you enjoyed apologetics, you can follow. After you follow Vincent, go. Then if you have not, you can go follow us at AA Apologetics on Twitter. <laughs> and you can search for Adherent Apologetics on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, TikTok now, all that stuff. But mm -hmm. make sure you follow Vincent first, and then you can come follow me. <laughs> after, after you support Vincent in his ministry, you can consider supporting Adherent Apologetics as we're trying to reach part-time funding. We're about a couple hundred dollars away, so any bit helps. But uh, appreciate you guys' time, patreon.com slash Adherent Apologetics. Vincent, I thank mm -hmm. you for your time this was an amazing and inspiring interview uh yeah i just appreciate you man it was awesome wow. thank you brother it has been awesome to spend time with, with, with you as well really encouraged by you man mm, appreciate it same can be said yeah. to you all right everyone thank you for your time